I hate when people say that. Like it's <laughs> they're NBA players, and, and yeah, they're, they're they're new and whatnot. And LeBron is amazing. He played an unbelievable uh, playoff run to, to to date, and has willed his team to his eight straight finals and all that, which is uh, it's unbelievable um, to think about the consistency and longevity and. and level of greatness that he's shown um, in the Eastern Conference and uh, as a basketball fan like to uh, turn on the TV last night and watch the game and points in the game you didn't know how it was going to play out and they found a way to get it done so shout, shout out to him he's an amazing performance but uh, you know, don't disrespect the other guys out there they, they, they fought hard too. back everybody this is the stay Ops podcast we're here for another week and we got some riveting topics to discuss with y'all i'm chris and once again with my main man jordan what up jordan what's going on brother we're in between two game sevens uh in the nba playoffs uh, as we record right now and uh, we've just seen last night the completion of the eastern conference finals and their game seven a pretty good game if i must be honest and we're on the cusp of the Western Conference Finals, the war. The Game 7 that takes place tonight, 8 p.m. Central, between the Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors in Houston. Yes, sir. Uh, looking forward to it tonight. And last night was a good game. Uh, so what we're going to do, we're going to examine a little bit. And I must say, Jordan, you were pretty spot on uh, in your hopes for Game 7s. It trickled into both conferences. Yeah, I man, look, this 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 playoff conference finals on both uh, in both West and East has been everything that I, I know a lot of people have wanted. They wanted to see just how good these teams matched up, and you know we got what we wanted. I, I will say this: I am I'm shocked, bro. Down three two to uh, the. Uh, Boston Celtics, you know, Le on LeBron's last leg, the man played almost every minute of the series. The man is is up in age and still came back and, and won that series. Like, I, I don't know. I don't have any more words, man, for, for just how good LeBron is. I can't even hate on the man anymore. Uh, it's just ridiculous, bro. I, I, I thought this would have been his his – Goodbye. His his past the torch moment. You know the Celtics are, like you mentioned in the past, hungry lions. Man, they're ready to eat. They're 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 aggressive, even despite not having the two stars, the two known stars of the league on their team, and they're injured. I thought that they would have closed the deal being up three two, but hey, once again, you can't bet against LeBron. It seems that you cannot, uh, at least in the Eastern Conference. Uh, last night was a. Uh nip and tuck all the way through. We saw some both teams make a little space and then the other teams storm back. Uh, what were some things that you saw last night, especially that you may or may not have liked in that last standoff in Boston? Well, just a second ago, I gave, you know, props to LeBron and the Cavs and his camp, but uh, I, I can say that it was absolutely horrendous. The refereeing. And that in that fourth quarter and the foul calls that the Celtics got against them, there was one uh, possession down the court 
when I think it might have been two minutes left in the game and LeBron got put up against Jason Tatum. So, you know, you got a rookie on the GOAT and Jason Tatum has been holding his own. He's been doing his thing. But, you know, strength wise, LeBron has him outdone by, by miles. So he backed him down, backed him down, backed him down, got him to the to about the free throw line. And and all the while, Jason Tatum is grabbing, you know, he 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 actually is fouling him, but they didn't call it. But when they called the foul, LeBron turned around and threw up some crazy half shot. And Jason Tatum didn't have a finger on him at that moment. And that is when they called the foul. It was almost as if the refs were knowing like, hey, no matter what happens, we need LeBron to go to the line. The Cavs need to win this game. And then there was another possession where almost the same thing happened. And all you had to, all you could do was just throw your hands up in the air. It was like, really? Like, we're we going to go through this again. I, I, I cannot deny the man's greatness. You know, he's taking his team all the way back to the promised land again. But, my goodness, if the refs did not help on some of those possessions, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I mean, uh, one could say that it appeared that way. Uh, in some instances, in in the past, I have been highly critical of uh, games in which LeBron James are refereeing, or, or even certain players. I think that uh, James Harden gets the benefit of a lot of calls as well. Um, certain players just seem to to get whistles. And yeah, superstar status, baby. But I don't I don't think it's, it's simply star power. I think some players are difficult to officiate. I always thought yeah. Shaq was difficult to officiate. James Harden at times, Kevin Durant, LeBron James can be difficult to officiate. Um, but there are just there are certain things that are egregious that are happening in the NBA that um, you know I'm 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 almost borderline old man NBA where it's just like it's certain things I'm seeing man it just it appalls and it turns my stomach. Um, the the forearm lead in on every dribble maneuver. That that allows space for a ball handler, which makes it easier to do step backs, which makes it easier to do euro steps because you're virtually leading someone every play into a direction. You're basically uh, you're you're moving their equilibrium equilibrium in one direction uh, with the thought process that you're going to move back. So uh, it, it makes it it makes players harder to defend. I think Kyrie even does it. A little bit that for, that forearm that that he leads in with, um, that turns my stomach a bit. And what happens is they can now use that forearm to have fouls called on him. Um, the call on Jason Tatum last night, I don't know, I think it's the same play I'm thinking of, where it was, it was as far as fouls went last night, it was a bit questionable, a bit iffy, uh, and even at one point it looked like LeBron hooked Jason Tatum's arm. And I remember that snatched, yeah, and, and Jason Tatum got the foul. You know, and, and, and those things happen. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to go into that mode. Not this time. I mean, I, I've seen I've seen games where it seems like the officiating leads in a, heavily in one direction. But I'm not going to go that far with this. Uh, with the Boston Celtics last night, Terry Rozier. Where were you? Lost that game for the Boston Celtics last night. Now, yeah. admittedly, Marcus Smart shot just as horrendously. Uh, yeah. His jump shooting was abominable, if you will. Um, yep. But 
when you looked at Marcus Smart's body of work last night, he made sure that he contributed in other areas. He continued to be the irritant that he is. He was crashing the boards for offensive defensive rebounds. He was active defensively. He was moving the ball. Terry Rozier did none of the uh, other things players need to do to be effective. He was simply chucking shots and missing. And I realize that Terry Rozier plays a large part in how far the Celtics have gotten to this point. But mm-hmm. he should have never had the opportunity to go zero out of ten from three-point field goals. He should have never even gotten that opportunity. Once you're 0 for 6, I'm sorry, no, hey, dude, go to the basket. And even in his forays to the basket, we saw the the one where LeBron blocked the dunk, um, which I don't – I know as a, as a man, pride, you know, wells up in you. And if he mm-hmm. makes that dunk, the, the lid goes off of that place. Um, <laughs> but – there, there were smarter plays that could be made. I heard reference in the broadcast made to the fact that Terry Rozier dunked on LeBron earlier in the series. He actually didn't. He dunked in front of LeBron. It's a, it's a big difference with dunking on someone bigger than you and they're waving on the side or behind you and, and body-to-body dunking somebody, which we saw Jason Tatum do to LeBron. Um, but Terry Rozier couldn't pull that off. Uh, he was he was playing out of his weight class. Uh, that, that was a situation where he should have you know, looked at some other options, looked at some other options. But all in all, I think that Cleveland outplayed the Celtics. Yeah. And that's they outsmarted him. Was that? I said they outsmarted him. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you still had a young Celtics team. And that, that's really what might have done them in. As, as much as I've talked and, and given the Celtics so much praise over the past couple of weeks for the coaching, the, 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 the uh, front office with Ainge and just those players and what they're going to be and the potential that all of them have uh, as, a, as a unit, I mean, they, they done themselves in. They, they fell to the beast again. And LeBron always seems to find uh, a, a way, no matter what kind of teammates he has, he always seems to find a way to push that team through. And, uh, you know, you got to give it up to the Boston Celtics. They, they, they pushed them to the brink. Uh, as you mentioned, shots were not falling yesterday. Terry Rozier had a horrendous game. He was more so scary looking than, than scary Terry. Uh, that, that just was horrible. His, he couldn't hit a three to save his life. And then Marcus Smart wasn't doing anything. You know, you need those, those, those uh, those points from them, man. You need that 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 help. So it, it I, I don't know, man. It's just I, I'm not surprised anymore when LeBron is down. What he can do to bring a team back and the resiliency he has, it it, it doesn't surprise me anymore that it ended up being like this. And and since we're on the subject of LeBron bringing a team back, um. There's been much talk about the fact that uh, LeBron James carried this basketball team. And, and like any superstar, he, he has taken the lion's share in, in doing, doing it all, really, for the Cavs. But uh, and I wanted to echo – Stephen Curry made some remarks earlier today uh, that I would like to echo. Uh, yeah. Can 
you can't pretend that no one else on this team did anything. We saw last night throughout the game, and, and again, LeBron James is the best player in the league right now. Yeah. We saw several instances where things were overinflated by the broadcasters, uh, where things were are overstated uh, by the, the pundits that we see on these shows every day about the game of, Le- of LeBron James. Yeah. No one remember is going to remember, or no one is, is mentioning the fact that Jeff Green had a huge game last night in the absence of Kevin Love, where people thought that there was going to be a void uh, when LeBron James' other future Hall of Fame teammate was out. Jeff Green stepped up, and he played well. He played extremely well uh, in, a, in a, a very difficult environment. So we had to come in. He had the spot start. He's playing uh, against some former teammates, and he, and he stepped it up, and he made a big difference in that game last night. Now they're going to the finals. Without, I'm sorry, say what you will about LeBron James. Without Jeff Green, the Boston Celtics are going to the finals today. Oh, I absolutely agree. Yeah, without Jeff Green, without George Hill being, you know, very clutch and playing his role to the perfection, then, yeah, we wouldn't be talking about the Cavaliers. It's still a team game. You know, I, I think about comparing it to Russell Westbrook. You think of all the gaudy stats he's averaged over the last two years, just in the season, and yet that team has not figured it out. So I, I can't say that LeBron isn't a huge factor. The stars on the team are stars for a reason. Mm-hmm. They, they, they can take you very far just off of what they do themselves, but that does not take away from what a team game, the, the game of basketball is supposed to be about. There's five people out there. If all five people uh, at least do their role, and you got one guy who can do everything and is, is, is one of the greatest players ever, then everything will come together. So, yeah, th- those other teammates, they, they had to carry their load. They had to bring something to the table, and they did. Jeff Green, man, his story is amazing. You know, coming all the way back from 2012, surgery, not knowing if he was going to play basketball again and contributing the way he did, that, that, has to, that, that can't go, you know, unnoticed. And so, yeah, I, I, you can't underestimate – what what the teammates did as well. LeBron, even with his his amazing scoring, you know, only only did what? What was his high in this series? Forty five points. You can't win with just forty five points. Exactly. You know, other teammates have to score. So so certainly certainly agree that it's it's a team game, and they they shouldn't be just you know put in 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 the, in the back seat and not not noticed for what they contributed to this series. And, and again, not to not to understate his efforts either. LeBron went nuts last night, and and he yeah. he he did it all virtually. Um, but when I say he did it all, you know, he did a great deal on a great level. What's expected of a franchise, all world, uh, uh, transitional, all era player. Uh, <laughs> exactly. But again. We're not understating what Jeff Green did. We're not understating the fact that Tristan Thompson played extremely well last night. Uh, J.R. Yeah. Smith is, has started to hit shots again. He wasn't huge, but he hit some big shots uh, in that in that comeback run last night. 
you yeah. mentioned you mentioned George Hill. George Hill throughout the series was in. Um but he wasn't devoid of help. And let's let's not forget also you're playing against a very young team, very talented, but a very young team who maybe with without Kyrie and without Gordon Hayward, maybe I would say what two years ahead of schedule on a on a group like that without their two best players, their two yeah, big money players. I'm with that. Yeah. So you know there there was there's some some advantages there that can be that can be said for a, a LeBron James or J.R. Smith guys who Tristan Thompson guys who've been there and who knows what little things need to be done here and there to to get to the next level, especially in a game seven. Right. But, you know, we're, we're not going to harp too much on that again. Congratulations to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, yeah, big up. It hurts me to say that. I, I don't like Cleveland. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like the Cleveland anythings. Like the Browns, no. <laughs> no. The Indians, no. Mm-mm. The Cavs, no. Nope. You know, with all, all due respect to you and your kind, I rooted for Cleveland once, maybe in the last 10 years, and they let me down. Um, mm. That was the Indians. Um, yeah, that, that, con- that confirmed the, the absolute disgust, abhorrence, of Cleveland, the city of Cleveland, everything that that comes from it. There may be some individual products of Cleveland that I may like. I think Cedric the Entertainer, someone's from Cleveland or whatever. That's fine. <laughs> you went to city said, okay. <laughs> I mean, the, other than that, the, the city is is utterly useless. I mean, we could we could honestly do without Cleveland. Let me, let me just ask you: Have you talked to Joaquin Noah lately? No. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I, I you, you you were on the phone with him the way you talked. Okay, I know we share similar sentiments, um, <laughs> and I agree. No, no one's planning trips to Cleveland. <laughs> the only people who visit Cleveland are people who have relatives in Cleveland. Yeah, that's it. I might travel through Cleveland, and if you can avoid doing that, you do it. <laughs> Take a boat. Okay, I got you. You know, take the take the scenic route to New York. <laughs> but since we're talking about teammates, um, the NBA postseason teams came out. Yeah. And if you could have a, a team like this, you'd be guaranteed some, some success. Oh, absolutely. Um, so we can start with um, the all-NBA teams, I guess. Yeah, let's do it. So the All-NBA teams, the All-NBA first team is James Harden and LeBron James. I believe they were unanimous. Yeah, um, that goes Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, and Damian Lillard. The All-NBA second teams, the second team was Russell Westbrook, DeMar DeRozan, Giannis Antetokounmpo, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Joel Embiid. The All-NBA third team, Stephen Curry, Victor Oladipo, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, and Carl Anthony Towns. 
Oh Lord, the cat. He he snuck in there. Huh? Okay. And there, there's an interesting story arc surrounding the two Timberwolves on this All NBA thirteen. But uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on these three teams, man? Well, let's start with the All NBA team first. Uh, team. I am in full agreement with obviously the probably soon to be MVP James Harden. You can't go wrong with the goat, uh, LeBron James, the goat of right now, not not my all time goat, but one of the goats. And then you got KD, who's in my opinion the second best player in the league behind LeBron. Then you got Anthony Davis. Obviously, he is do it all. You know, so those four I'm in full agreement with. Now, as I look at the stat line for Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard surprised me as being the best point guard in the league. But as I'm looking at the stats, I didn't realize this man averaged 27 points, six and a half assists and four and a half rebounds. And then shot 91 percent from the free throw line. Uh, I guess I'm so used to Damian Lillard being overlooked every year, whether it be for the all star game or just being snubbed or being a, a first round exit in the playoffs that I didn't really pay attention to the trailblazers. I mean, I don't live in Portland anyway, but still I kind of keep an eye on the top players, players that are household names and Dame is one of them, but I just didn't realize he, he had this good of a season. So props to him finally getting the attention that he does deserve, you know, rightfully so. Um, However, trinkling into that second team, I'm going to just mention this just in part on the second team, is Russell Westbrook is the point guard. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double, second year in a row doing that. That's insane. Um, But as we know, as we've come to know, and it's kind of expected, Russell Westbrook is actually not probably one of the players you want to play with if you're trying to get all the way to the, to the, to the promised land. Um, I don't know what it is about Russell Westbrook, one of my favorite players of all time. So not knocking the man and his talent and his ability to score and pass and rebound and all those things, but it's just something about the way that he does it. That is not conducive to, to, to a championship, to a champion, you know, and, and a championship team. So I guess that was where the, I had the only hang up, with those two kind of swapping each other, I would have swapped them out, you know, just based off stats. But uh, again, props to Damian Lillard. Can't go wrong. He's been overlooked for quite some time. So congratulations to him. You mentioned that uh, Russell Westbrook is hard to play with. His style isn't conducive to winning. And I, and I, I agree a great deal. But what about Damian Lillard? Do you think that he has a style of play that's conducive? to going deep into the playoffs? To be honest with you, I mean, no, and it's been proven. I mean, he hasn't gotten deep into the playoffs. So I, I would have to agree with with that that question as well. Like, either way, you can't really go far with either one. And, you know, now if I had a choice of either two, I would pick Russell Westbrook. You know, that's just my – that's my dude, man. Russell Westbrook is – I think it's because I see – Derek Rose through him, and so now I'm living Derek Rose through Russell Westbrook because that's what Derek should have been at the peak of his powers. But uh, aside from that, I've mentioned this before that Damian Lillard to me is a liability. 
on one end and then is uh, uh, an amazing player on the other end. On the offensive side, he can do it all. But then on the defensive side, he's a liability. And I've told you before, even when it came to the draft that's coming up, I can't stand small point guards. You, if you're going to be a, a difference maker, I need you to play both sides of the, of the floor. And Russell Westbrook does that to a, to a, to a, a higher degree. And he's a, he's a, uh, a more, he's a, a taller player. He's a more tenacious player on the defensive side. So he doesn't get exposed too much. Um, so that would be my only hang up. Okay. Um, I would have put Russell in the, on the first team too. Uh, it's, it's hard to quantify uh, outside of sheer numbers. Can you, you can't really look at, in, in this instance, because you have both teams who were shocking playoff exits. Um, yeah. It's hard to quantify which guy is more, his game is more conducive to winning. So because you can't quantify that, you got to go off bare, bare bones numbers. And uh, yeah. that's, that's Russell. Uh, another triple-double. You know, I, I have my opinions on how he gets those triple-doubles, but uh, he got them. And it's, it's, it's not something that's extremely easy to do. So, no, you know, to be able to do that two years in a row, I mean, of course, you're not rewarding for a previous year, but, you know, if you're going to do it two years in a row, you know, he, he should be first team All-NBA. Um, yeah. You said that Cat snuck in. Uh, so you don't agree that he should be there on the on the third team? Um, you know what? I don't know. I If it was up to me, see, we got Joel Embiid on the – all NBA second team. We got Anthony Davis on the All NBA first team as the big man. Third big man cat. I guess I shouldn't have an argument. I mean, in a couple years, he might be, might be one of the top three players in the league. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's a personal vendetta. I just can't stand his softness. And this goes back again to many of our previous podcasts. I, I don't know. I, when I think of an all NBA team, I think of people who are impacted players. Cat uh, is is a is a stats player, but I don't think he has an impact the way he should, um, because you saw the way they played in their series uh, in the playoffs, and it was almost like he had to be babied at times and to be carried along, you know, from Jimmy, even Derek tell him, Hey, you got this. Come on, let's go. You have all that talent in the world. And when it matters the most, that's when you kind of ball up. I, I, I guess I just have a personal, you know, thing against that is it's, it could be just me, but uh, okay. Realistically, if I'm talking about big man, then I probably shouldn't get past the third best big man without mentioning Carl Anthony Town. So I digress. <sighs> so you say he does belong there. Yeah, yeah, fine. That's that's fine. I, I don't want to say. I just I'm looking for any big man in my mind. I mean, if Demarcus was healthy, probably should have been Demarcus. 
Uh, Warford? Rudy Gobert. You know what? Hey, what? thank you. Thank you, Mr. Wynn. I was looking for somebody, and you named somebody. Al Horford, Al Horford I would put him on the All-NBA third team. Call Anthony Towns, have a seat. Look at the way Al Horford grinds. Look at the way Al Horford plays in the, in, in, in the, the clutchest moments when his team needs him to deliver. Very polished game. Nothing exciting and flashy like you have, but just look at the way he plays in the moments when he needs to play right. So, yeah, yeah. Thank you, because I, I sure was trying to find somebody, and Al Horford is good enough to go there. So, so call Anthony Towns. Sit down. Uh, I'm not as hard on Mr. Towns. Uh, I believe this is a deserved third-team All-NBA selection. Um, He's on my All-NBA 12th team. How's that? I wouldn't go that far. But I, I believe I believe it's well deserved, man. As he, you know, despite the fact, if you look at his numbers, I mean, shooting fifty five percent, twenty one and twelve. That's he led the NBA in double doubles. That that's some some pretty heavy stuff, man. It's uh, you can't you can't ignore it. You can't disregard it. Um, I'm even looking at. Uh, other players on this list, like a Jimmy Butler, I, w- I want it so bad to prove that he doesn't belong on this. And yeah. He kind of does. He kind of yeah. does. Actually, if, if there's if there's any player I, w- I would take uh, umbrage with on this team, it's Paul George. And looking back at his numbers, you know, he – because he did a little extra on the defensive end this year, you know, he may have rightfully deserved his position there. I mean, I think that Chris Paul, Kyrie Irving, Rudy Gobert, uh, they they suffer because of the long extended absences due to injury. Yeah. Um, I think that affects them. Uh, ben Simmons was great, but he's he's not there yet. Uh, Al Horford might be the only other person there where you might be able to say sneak him in, but his numbers you would you would be looking at strictly impact as far as his numbers. He's not a he's not fascinating anyone with the numbers he's putting up. Yeah. So moving on from from those, uh, we're gonna get to what often is my favorite group of players. The all defensive teams. Um, so we'll we'll run down the all defensive teams real quickly. The all defensive first team: Robert Covington from the Philadelphia 76ers, Anthony Davis, Rudy Gobert, Drew Holiday from the Pelicans, Victor Oladipo. That's your all defensive first team. Your all defensive second team: Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid. Draymond Green, Al Horford, and DeJounte Murray were on the uh, All-NBA defensive second team. What are your thoughts here, Jordan? Any any surprises for you? Uh, you know what? To be completely honest with you, I'm not 
I'm not necessarily surprised by any of this. Uh, well, no, 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 no. I take that back. The all defensive first team has one person, and again, this 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 could be just going back to me not paying attention to how he played and what he gave on the defensive end, and that's Drew Holiday. I never saw Drew Holiday, even in his time on the Philadelphia 76ers, as someone who was just a shutdown type point guard. And I, I and again, I just guess I wasn't looking that hard at at his game. Um, I like the way he played, but I didn't think he was somebody who could say, hey, go guard this guy and lock him down for the whole game or try to go up against the best player on the team. So I have to I have to say I'm I'm surprised, but uh perhaps that that is that it was well deserved. Anthony Davis, you know how I feel about Ant. He uh he can do it all. He plays the defensive side and he plays the offensive side extremely well. Robert Cummington is a very underrated defender. I think that he he got uh well deserved accolades for that. Then you got Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo is very, very good on the defensive end. So I'm I'm not surprised with that. And then Rudy Gobert, who is just a monster. Uh his 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 metrics just are crazy out, out of this world. So he he is definitely deserving of that all NBA defensive first team. But uh if it was somebody that, that surprised me, it would be Drew Holiday. Actually, man, Drew Holiday uh has always been a pretty good defender. Never great, but pretty good. When you look back at those Sixers teams, though, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, when Drew was there, they didn't really have a a shot blocking presence. Yeah, and that's a big thing for a defensive guard, especially in today's NBA. So I think when you put Drew and AD together, you know they they both make each other look better. Uh, Drew Holiday had a phenomenal defensive year this year. One thing that shocked me when I first looked at it, but then I looked at the numbers, mm-hmm. was uh, Robert Covington. Robert Covington uh, this year, statistically, is the best perimeter defender in the league. Um, he led the league in deflections and defensive win shares. So he was active. He Not only that, he played a good position defense. I always thought Covington was a solid defender. And I think maybe it's coming yeah. to light a little more. Yeah. The team is better. The team is better, yeah. Yep. Um, you know, Drew Holiday, again, was solid. Victor Oladipo, he, he actually came into the NBA. His calling card at Indiana was defense. Um, so that, that doesn't surprise me. One thing that does uh, get to me a little bit, and I'm looking at the second team here, DeJounte Murray. Um, I'm not taking <laughs> anything away from the kid. Uh, when I see him, he plays He plays good defense. He's very rangy, long arms, uh, somewhat big point guard. I think he's 6'4". Yeah, um, he is. He's long. And that helps him. And I'd say he's not a good defensive player. He is. But when DeJounte Murray is one of the 10 best defenders, so to speak, or you know, one of the four best defensive wing players, that you're putting up here are four best guards. And Paul George isn't on this list. Yeah. And Giannis Antetokounmpo isn't on this list. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Paul good point. This good list. Point. And Clay Thompson isn't on this list. And oh my goodness. Isn't on this list. And Josh Richardson isn't on this list. 
and Marcus <laughs> Keep on isn't on this list. Uh-huh. What you got? I'm sorry. Uh, you know, all those guys I just named, I would rather have on defense guarding any position than DeJounte. Avery, was it, is Avery Bradley hurt? Yes, he plays for Detroit. Okay. All right. I, I just I just wanted to throw that name out there because I know Patrick Beverly's hurt. I didn't know Avery Bradley was hurt for most of the year, so I, I was really I, looking for him. I don't know if he was hurt, but playing for Detroit instantly injures you. <laughs> You're officially hurt once you play for the Pistons. Once you you, you touch down in Motor City, it's over, huh? <laughs> okay, I got you. <laughs> yeah, I, I got a knee. I mean, all, <laughs> Andre Robert. I'm looking at I'm looking at the guys who got votes, but but didn't you know crack the team? And Andre Roberson, PJ Tucker, Jalen Brown, Ben Simmons. These are all guys who play defense every night, yeah. night in and night out. Avery Bradley now with the Clippers, because uh, remember he got traded again in the in the late right. He did, he did. and um, he's he's hurt out there too. Um, these are guys who play defense, man, and, and I, I just don't think Dejounte is is there yet to where you're putting them in front of these other guys. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's just a matter of trying to give him more exposure or if it was that time when he played against LeBron and LeBron gave him props and LeBron gave put a call in like, hey, man, this guy's going places on defense. Let him let let the world know. I don't know. I mean, and then or is it like the Spurs are so good on defense? It'll be a crime for us not to have a spur on the all defensive team. I mean, it doesn't always work like that. I mean, it does. It does say that Murray ranks second among point guards in defensive rebounding percentage. But uh, I mean, come on! If that's all that you can say he's great at, then what, what are we talking about? Especially like you said, when it comes comes to all those other players who are on there. I mean, even LeBron. LeBron has kind of tailed off. No. You know, there where he takes plays off, no. but I, I put LeBron above him now. This this LeBron. If you told me stick have somebody guard whoever in the clutch and you give me DeJounte Murray over LeBron, I'm picking or versus LeBron, I'm picking LeBron. But this isn't like they don't pick all defensive teams based on can you guard somebody for one play? No, I understand that. I, I just I just think if LeBron LeBron wanted to, he could still do what he's always been doing on the defensive end. If LeBron wanted to, he might be able to play tight end in the NFL, but he's not on my all-NFL team. Hey, man. Hey, when he retires from the league, watch out. Cleveland Browns might be on to something, brother. One thing I give LeBron credit for is being a a smart businessman, which means he would never put on an NFL helmet. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, of course not. I'm I just for that team. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm 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 still wondering why Baker Mayfield's first pick. Um, yeah, he's already sucking. <laughs> I mean, for real, man. He, from what I heard, he, his camp hasn't been going too well. He might have to uh, might have to take a seat. But hey, that's Cleveland for you. By landing in Detroit to play for the Pistons, you already heard. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But um, that that'll that'll round up those 
all defensive teams. That, that's the team that really gets me excited, man. I mean, I, I like the all NBA teams, but that all defensive team, that's the, that's the group that really gets me excited because defenses, if you're naturally gifted at basketball, at some point you'll make an all NBA team, even if it's the third team. It takes work to make that all defensive team. Yeah, yes, it does. That's why you see a lot of guys who aren't necessarily the greatest offensive threats take so much pride in the fact that they made that all-defensive team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you hear, you know, you see Tony Allen brag about all-NBA defense and Patrick Beverly, you know, I, I the grinders, you know, the guys who maybe because it's the hater in me, I've always liked defense because nothing wrong with that, brother. To be to be a a a great defender, you have to be a hater. You because you you have to go into a situation saying, "I don't want this dude in front of me to succeed." Exactly. I don't like you. Yep. So I'm gonna stop you. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a dog mentality. Definitely. Definitely. And that's why I um I like those those guys. Hey, hey, just just real quick, I just since we're talking about dog mentalities, I just want to throw my my boy into the ring. I know he hasn't really been recognized yet, but which actually kind of surprises me because he he was one of the top steals per game leaders. Is your very own Chi Town Bulls Chris Dunn? And uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that next year he will make one of the all-defensive teams. Hey, that's that's not, a, not a bad shot out there. I think it's very possible. Especially once once they get to a position where they're winning a few more games, they're playing a little more on a string defensively. I know Fred Holberg yeah. isn't, isn't the biggest uh, – Fred Holberg isn't the choicest person you would put to coach up defense, but yeah. – you know, if you can get somebody to really, if there's a, I really want somebody to hire Boylan. I, you don't like Jim Boylan? Boylan's a good guy. Um, I've, I've crossed paths with him. I've crossed paths with him a couple times in the, in the UC. He's a good guy. You know, he'll he'll sit and have a drink, and and you know where the season ticket holders they go down, they take a drink. When I he'll go and and sit with the guys and 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 talk basketball. Real good guy. Um, you just literally put Boylan in the friend zone. Just want you to know that it's like you, you said. I will never ever date this man. I just friend but he's a good John Boylan. <laughs> maybe it's the being spoiled by Ron Adams and seeing the effect that he has on on virtually every team he goes to, except Oklahoma yeah. City. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's I just I want a guy to come over, man. Like, hey. You talk about dogs. I want somebody to unleash the dogs, man. And and again, I know it's hard to defend in today's NBA, but I even look at the way the Boston Celtics defend. You know, that we need a we need that guy. Who's their assistant? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I I I don't know. I Jim Boylan, when he came from the Spurs, I thought he would leave, he would be I don't know, a little bit better. Uh, 
I think naturally some of the players on the Bulls teams are very good at defense because they personally take pride in it. Like that's why I like Chris Dunn as as our, our starting point guard, just to trail off into that for a second, is because he takes pride in that. He just has that dog mentality. His upbringing, what he went through, he, he's always had to fight. So, you know, he brings that mentality 24-7 all the time to the court. So, you know, sometimes it's just the player being who it is, and they're not taught that from any of the coaches. It's just it comes naturally to them but then perhaps the coach can kind of bring it more out of them. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's way better options out there than Boylan. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he's bad. You know, the Bulls were, what, like middle of the road defensively-ish? I think so, yeah. They got worse when Levine got there. I mean, obviously, it's easier to play offense coming back from an injury, and when you want to make a – get your contract bumped up, you're going to play more offense. Um, But – I just want a guy to come in there, man, and just have these dudes just gritty and grimy. I mean, I know it's a development year, and then it was it was all about seeing who's got what. But fun and games is over, you know. And and we're in a league where you can expect a turnaround, especially in the Eastern Conference. You can expect a turnaround in a year's time. And with the amount of talent yeah. on this team and that should be coming in the next two or three weeks, Countdown, baby. Which is which is why I am slowly, slowly changing my mind on Muhammad Bamba. Oh my God! Yes, yes, that is carrot, Chris. Come on, get on the Bamba train. Drink the Bamba juice. If he's there at seven, I would not be opposed to taking Muhammad. You better not. Don't you dare oppose Muhammad. Floats like a butterfly and stings like a bee. He does neither of those. Sorry, that's the wrong Muhammad. Okay. <laughs> but I, I like the length. I like the, the very – I like the fact that he compares favorably to Rudy Gobert. But looking at some of the scouting videos, some of the game footage, he has a potential to offer more offensively than Rudy does. Absolutely. He already has a jumper. So if you can be Rudy Gobert defensively, and be better than Rudy Gobert offensively. I mean, not saying go-to guy, but if you can be an all-world defensive factor, and then you can come back and you can give me 13, 14 points a game on on your offense, not not like a uh, uh, DeAndre Jordan where his alley-oops tipping. When you're running the floor, you can generate a certain level of offense. Uh, his shooting form looks decent. If you can be that, I'm I'm on board. Yeah, yeah, I am too. Uh, I just am scared, and the reason why I'm scared is because the closer and closer we get to this draft, I fear that most mock drafts are going to really start solidifying who they think is going to go where, and Muhammad Bama's stock is going to rise to the point where he may be right out of the reach of the Bulls if they don't do anything to move up. Um, I do not think he will be there at seven for them. Uh, that is what I am in fear of. But slowly but surely, Mohamed Bama might might be one of the better draft picks coming out of this, this draft in the long run if he can develop that that offensive game. And from the looks of it, he has a very good chance of doing that. His stroke is 
very nice for a size. It's not one of those all oh, try hard type strokes. So I got to work on just how to shoot. No, the man already has a really nice, nice stroke. Now he just has to work on consistency, putting some more meat on that frame. And then the sky's the limit. I'm, I'm hearing that there are some mocks with Bamba possibly dropping to the bulls, but I'm seeing that the person who's dropping the most in a lot of these mocks is Jaron Jackson Jr. Oh God! Yeah. If he's there, uh, if he's there at seven, I'm not completely opposed to him either. He offers some of the same tools. Look! 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 Don't don't curse on the podcast. We don't use profanity on the podcast. Okay. Don't you dare say Jaron Jackson is somebody you will be not opposed to. You better oppose that man right now and forever. Jaron Jackson. Is the next yes at seven at seventy at two thousand? If they had fifty draft rounds, Jaron Jackson would be an undrafted player in my book because I'm not drafting him. He is the second coming of Tyrus Thomas, the second coming of Marquise Chris. He is what you call Marquise Chris. I'm against him at seven. If you told me you were getting a Marquise Chris player at seven. I would slap you upside your head. Oh, my God. So you're saying no. he's the next Stromile Swift. You know what? Yep. All the dunks and highlights you can give me, and that's it. He's not an impact player. I don't need somebody that's going to be flashy and say, ooh, ah, you make the top 10 on ESPN. I need somebody that's going to be like, ooh, ah, you just got me a title. I need somebody that's going to be like, ooh, ah, you're doing this every day. You know how to make your teammates better. Not just go higher and, and, and tell me how high you can jump in the 40-inch the, the vertical. Ah, no, please. There's a reason why he's dropping because apparently teams are noticing, hey, this guy ain't as good as we think he is. We're going to pass up on him because he has the most – he has the most to, to, to prove out of all of the other prospects that are in, in the top, top ten of this draft. He, he, he has a lot of potential – that's the guy you say has a lot of potential. But a lot of these other players, man, it, oh, they, they already have certain tools that, are, that will make them NBA ready as soon as they step on that floor. Don't you ever tell me Jaron Jackson should be the Bulls' first pick if he's there. Speaking of 40-inch verticals, did you hear that Grayson Allen registered a 41-inch vertical at the combine? Yes, and I will take him at 22 if he's there. No. That is not me. I will take Grayson Allen. He has too much Duke in his system. Um, well, the players who don't have too much Duke in their system, we're going to run through the all-rookie teams real quick. And uh, one of the headliners is uh, one of the recent up-and-coming stars of the Eastern Conference Finals, Jason Tatum, is on your first team all-rookie, uh, along with Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell, Cal Kuzma, and Lowry, Lowry Markinen from the Chicago right. Bulls. That's your first team all-rookie. Your second team is Lonzo Big Ball of Ball. <laughs> Bogdan Bogdanovich, or Bogdanovich, sorry. John Collins, Josh Jackson, who made quite the surge late in the year. Uh, he showed some, some flashes late in the year. And Dennis Smith, who was kind of the other way around, he was really good at the beginning of the year, 
and kind of faded a little bit at the end of the year. Dennis was my uh, rookie of the year uh, favorite when the season started, but uh, that didn't go too well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So any any qualms with this with the our rookie team? Well, absolutely not with the first team. Um, see, Ben Simmons, yeah, semi rookie. We'll just throw you in there, even though this is your second season. Um, Kyle Kuzma is the 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 darling of this year's rookie class. Came out of nowhere, even out outplayed uh, Lonzo Ball on that Lakers team as being the best rookie, deservedly so, uh, well-deserved. Jason Tatum, I mean, we don't really have to even mention why he's on here. You can see why he's on here, uh, being on a team that almost was – that was a game away, not almost, was a game away from the championship. And then Donovan Mitchell, Spider-Man. Donovan Mitchell, who I was looking at since he was in Louisville – I, it just seemed like that man had all of the tools to be a really good player. And he went to the right team. That's, I, I mean, I can't say that anymore. It, it, then, then he went to the right team. That, that Utah team was made for Donovan Mitchell. You know, and they, they let him take over the reign. So really, really deserving of that. And then Larry Markin, you know how I feel about the finisher playing for the hometown team. Uh, very surprised with the way he uh, played this year. Did not see half of the ability that he showed this year at Arizona. And that's why it's very important to scout very well because there could be times where a person might have a lot of different skills and perhaps because of their role on their college team, those skills are just hidden until they get to the league and then they just sprout. And Laurie, to me, is one of those players. I looked at him. Again, as as a spot up, you know, shooter, a big man who could rebound a little bit, and and be a, a very good role player, but no more. And uh, Larry Markkinen has the potential to be a a all time type of player if he continues to put in the work. And you know, one thing about finishers, people from Finland, they put in that work. They are very hard working people. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Larry. Uh, turns into um the only issue i might have is i'm looking at all of the the votes of those who didn't make it and i and i shouldn't say it's an issue i guess i just have an issue with this player because i assumed he would be better but once again this team is just ugh. the aaron fox the aaron fox came out of kentucky man i i assumed the aaron fox would be just a tad bit better his rookie season. Not saying that he was completely horrible because he had some flashes, and hopefully, you know, he builds on those flashes and becomes more consistent, which I, I have full faith that he will be. But once again, man, team fit. The Sacramento Stings just completely sucked the life out of their players. I don't know what it is about that team, man, but that, 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 Talent just just fizzes out there. So I, I'm hoping that De'Aaron Fox builds off of what he did this year and, and turns into the player that uh, he was drafted to be. But uh, we'll, we will see. But uh, all in all, I think this this list, there's really no arguments as to the second and the first and second teams. 
De'Aaron battled some injuries off and on this year, and I think that may have hindered him a bit. Um, to your point, the, the Sacramento Kings are a team in disarray. They have quite a few misfit pieces. I think they got a lot of different pieces that would do well on other teams, but they don't work well together. Yep. Um, with Bogdan Bogdanovich, um, he made the second team all-rookie. I, I see a lot of potential with him. Uh, I see a, a lot of, uh, I hate to use this word, swagger with him. <laughs> couldn't even get it out. But, but I, it's, it's there. He, he has that, you know, that, that little extra with him, and I think that'll serve him well. Um, if Sacramento's able to move a few pieces, I think Buddy Hill has to go. Um, and maybe uh, Dub C's Willie Cauley Stein um, may have to be moved, uh, and that would benefit both the Kings and those players, where they might be able to be successful elsewhere, but just not a fit there. Um, Usually with these all-rookie teams, you get one or two guys who they make the all-rookie team, they're going to fade into obscurity and oblivion. Mm-hmm. Or as Mike Tyson would say, Bolivia. Um, <laughs> Don't talk about Mike Tyson. Fade into Bolivia. I think that John Collins is that guy for me. I think after next year, John Collins could be out of the league. Really? Well, I'm not going to say out of the league because you're in a contract, what, four or five years? So let's say... Wow. Let's say... Let's say John Collins uh, won't be a factor after next year. Okay. I don't... I don't, I don't see it. Uh, um, well, yeah, on that team, maybe not. If he was on another team, he'd probably carve out a role. On that team, maybe not. But then again, they don't really have a lot of good players, so maybe he will still be pretty relevant. I don't know. We'll see. It's just speculation. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. Um, but since we're talking about young players, that's that it lends itself to uh, when we talk about expansion teams, you have a lot of young players. And we don't often talk about hockey. Uh, and we won't often talk about hockey. But <laughs> Um, just to bring them up, the Vegas Golden Knights are uh, in the Stanley Cup Finals in the NHL. And we're not going to yeah. dive too deep into actual hockey, but we are going to talk about the fact that we're talk- looking at an expansion team that in their first year made the final round or the championship round in their sport. Now, I know hockey is one of the more unpredictable sports uh, of the major four in, in America, but it's yeah. very rare that you see an expansion team make that much of an impact in their inaugural season. Um, do you think that that could happen in any other sport besides hockey? Uh, it just takes some shrewd moves, man. I can't say that it can never happen. I'm not going to predict that. I can say that it's probably extremely difficult for a, a, a team in their their first ever season of any sport being successful because usually you're bringing along other players that are maybe 
middle of the pack from other teams in, in, in the draft and getting from getting other players like that. And it, it usually doesn't mesh well with this Vegas Knights team man. everything came together. They got a lot of hard playing hockey players. Uh, their goalie has been a one uh, from what I hear. Uh, so, so they, they put it all together. Uh, but really that, 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 that can't, that that's not something that you can expect to to kind of make a team and 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 mold them in the first year. Usually, it takes some time to, you know, get the chemistry right, uh, kind of get the direction of what the the front office wants to do and the the what what the makeup of the team is like. You know, usually those things kind of come over time, and then they become a little bit more perfected. But uh, to say that it can happen in in every sport or or uh, any other sport. You know, that's hard to say, you know, perhaps, perhaps maybe in soccer. I don't know. You know, it depends. It all depends on on who it is. And, hey, sometimes just a fortunate, sometimes fortunate things happen. Sometimes I, I really can't I really can't say that this is something that you you will see a lot, if, if at all anymore. Um, but congratulations to the Vegas Knights. Uh it is Las Vegas, so I don't know if somebody had some money on them getting there, and I don't know. <laughs> but congratulations to them. You know, well-deserved. They worked hard all year, and going up against the Capitals might be a difficult task because they got Ovechkin. Ovechkin is a monster, all-time hockey player. But uh, we'll see. They might pull it out. With um, To go back to the Vegas Golden Knights, and let it never be said, first of all, that Stayos doesn't cover all the bases. <laughs> Absolutely not. But going back to the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, uh, and looking at them from an expansion standpoint, I was I was reading some things about them, and they're they're bred from a different circumstance. Uh, I believe there's you have to have at least twenty between twenty and twenty five players on a hockey roster. I think. Yeah. Um, and the expansion draft for the NFL, the NFL, NHL, rather, this year was the, the the amount of players you could protect was smaller than in past years. So usually, I think they will let you protect like ten players, but this time you can only protect seven. So of course they left you know three players for every team. So it's a, it's a bigger pool to draft from, and obviously with the fact that the pool was bigger you're going deeper into some other teams' rosters. So the selection of players in this instance was better. But yeah. still, you're not looking – you're still looking at the bottom two-thirds of the league that you're picking from, obviously. Um, just like any other expansion draft, you have some uh, cap casualties, some guys that teams may not want to pay. They still may be very good because in hockey, you can be good for longer. Uh, so you yeah. have guys who, who may be very good, but, you know, they don't fit financially into a team's salary cap, which is a, a literal hard cap. Like, you, there's no cushion like in other sports. It's a literal hard cap. Um, so you're going to get some, maybe get some players from that. I uh, also read that they were able to grab a couple of young players uh, that were coming up and developing in different teams' programs that those teams didn't feel were quite ready yet. 
Um, but the, the Golden Knights picked them up, and a lot of those young guys proved to be ahead of schedule as far as their development. So you kind of caught a perfect storm of players, uh, old and, and young, coming in with something to prove, something to show, and a talent that, that had developed much faster. So it yeah. still it still makes it difficult because again you're still picking from for the most part the bottom two thirds of a league, but a lot to be said for that franchise picking wisely, picking shrewdly, uh, and making it this far even in a sport that is unpredictable as NHL hockey, it's still it's still something to be said for that. Yeah. Now as far as another sport where that could happen. Um, I think it could happen with the NBA because one player makes such a difference. If an expansion team came in and was able to draft the right guy in the right year, I think it could happen because if you if you stumble across, of course, with expansion teams, they don't let um. I think the expansion teams are capped out at the fourth pick. The last time the Indian had an expansion team, I think the right. you can go as four, which can hamstring a team. Um, but I think if, if you get a, a generational player onto an expansion team in the NBA, I still don't think it will happen first year, but maybe second year you're looking at an NBA team that could be in the playoffs, uh, especially in this era. Uh, as far as the NFL – uh, it's a little more difficult because uh, guys who are good have been, you know, in the league three or four years and have been good for a while. Um, but I think if some some shrewd expansion draft moves, like we saw with uh, both the Jaguars and the Panthers a couple of decades ago, it took them both yeah. three years each, I think, and they were in the in the uh, conference championship. So, yeah, now, it, it can be done quickly, but I just don't think any other sport it can be done as quickly as was as was done for the Vegas Golden Knights. In yeah, it's 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 something that's really difficult to do. Like you said, the name of the game is just making shrewd moves, making sure that the the, the pieces that you get match and mesh together. Um, in other news, the Stay Out podcast. Instagram page as a living, breathing beast. Yes, sir. It is alive. And, of course, uh, Jordan and I, we've been uh, very instrumental in, in trying to get some content together to to give give you guys on that Instagram page. We're also on Twitter, also at, at Stay Oz Podcast. Uh, so uh, that's what we're doing as far as that. Uh, in the coming weeks, uh, we may be featuring some some guests from other podcasts that uh, we're somewhat affiliated with, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, and also in a few weeks, we're going to have the NBA draft coming up. Uh, and and look at that one, brother. And and sports today, man. The the way sports is set up now, the season never ends. Uh, you know, NFL keeps things going all year round keep, to keep you interested. Same with the NBA. Yeah. Uh, you know, the NBA finals won't even be done 
for a week before, you know, as far as scheduling for a week before you're talking NBA draft the that very next Thursday or, or two Thursdays after that. So, yeah, you know, stay, stay hot on NBA talk. Yes, sir. Gave you a little bit of, of, of what to expect going forward with some of our NBA stuff. We're going to try to come up with some innovative ideas, man, for, for coverage uh, and previews for the NBA draft. And, and, you know, it may be another roundtable on the horizon like we did for the NFL draft. So um, be on the lookout for that. Yes, sir. And tonight, again, the Western Conference Finals goes game seven. Uh, of course, I am a Warriors fan. I do hope that the Warriors win. But if not, you know, I know we're in for a good amount of basketball. And we uh, look forward to talking NBA Finals next week on the Stay Out Podcast. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I've been Chris. I've been with Jordan. Thanks for listening. See y'all now.